Chapter 7 The Real Christ His Humility Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God hath made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom ye crucified. Acts chapter 2 verse 36 Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Matthew chapter 11 verse 29 Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And during supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he came forth from God, and goeth unto God, riseth from supper, and layeth aside his garments. And he took a towel, and girded himself. Then he poureth water into the basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Ye call me teacher and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. If I then the Lord and the teacher have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye also should do as I have done to you. John chapter 13 verses 1 through 5 and verses 13 through 15. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. 1 John chapter 2 verse 6. Thus far in our studies of the picture of the real Christ that God has given us in his word, we have looked at six features in the picture. His holiness, his love for God the Father, his love for men, his love for souls, his compassion, and his meekness. Now we will look at another feature intimately connected with his meekness. Our subject is the humility of the real Christ, not the Christ men dream about and paint from their own fancy upon canvas or in words, but the Christ who actually existed, lived on this earth among men, and left us an example that we should follow in his steps. The whole secret of a successful life here on earth is walking in his steps. The more closely we follow in his steps, the more successful our lives will be. In the first of our texts, the fact is stated that Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified by the rulers of his people, was the real Christ of God. In the second text, he states the fact that he was lowly of heart, or humble in heart. In the third text, we have an amazing illustration of his humility, and a statement that those who desire to be his disciples must follow him. And in the fourth text, we have an emphatic teaching that anyone who claims to abide in him must make good his claim by walking as he walked. Humility is a distinctly Christian virtue. Humility was regarded with contempt by the world's ethical philosophers until the Lord Jesus came and exemplified it in his own life and demanded it of all his followers. Xenophon, Plato, and Socrates all used the Greek word translated lowly in our text in contempt. They used it in the sense of cowardliness. Socrates used it frequently. And Epictetus, in some respects, one of the greatest of Greek ethical philosophers, used a word derived from this as signifying faint-hearted, and so did the Jewish historian and moralist Josephus. To the Bible and to the Bible alone, we owe the exaltation of humility to a virtue, and we owe it preeminently to the teaching and example of Christ Jesus, the real Christ. 
what is humility? The first question that confronts us is, what is humility? This is a tremendously important question, for much that is dubbed humility is in reality cowardliness or hypocrisy, as in the classic example of Uriah Heep. We shall see what real humility is by considering how the humility of the real Christ was manifested. How Christ Manifested Humility Sought Glory for the Father The humility of the Christ of God was manifested in His not seeking His own glory. We see this in His own words in John, where He said, And I seek not mine own glory. John chapter 8, verse 50 His own glory was nothing to Jesus. The Father's glory was everything. It mattered nothing to Him that He might suffer in body or mind or reputation. If God was glorified by that suffering, He would choose it rather than the opposite. He compared His own glory to that of the Father. His glory was nothing, and God's glory was everything. The Father is greater than I was not merely a solitary utterance of Christ Jesus. John chapter 14 verse 28. It was also the keynote of all his thinking and living. If we are to be at all like him, we too must put our own glory behind our backs, completely out of sight. It must have absolutely no motive with us or modification of a motive. God's glory must not only be supreme, but also all-encompassing. It must stand single and solitary as the only motive of our action in any part of our lives. There would be a reason for Jesus to claim His own glory, at least a secondary consideration after that of the Father. He possessed all the divine attributes in all their fullness, for in Him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. But even He, while equal with the Father in nature and attributes, never lost sight of His subordination to the Father, and He made His own glory absolutely nothing. Do we follow Him in this? Avoided Praise In the second place, the humility of the real Christ was manifested in His avoiding notoriety and praise. We see this first in a prophetic statement, and afterward in the actual life of Christ Jesus here on earth. Isaiah put it in this way, He will not cry nor lift up His voice, nor cause it to be heard in the street. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 2 Notoriety and praise were not something Jesus sought. They were something He shunned. He tried to perform even the miracles of healing, which His compassion compelled Him to do under the cover of obscurity, repeatedly bidding the healed one to tell no one. How unlike Him many of us are! He shunned notoriety. We court it. He sought to prevent the advertising of Himself. We have, or wish we had, an advertising bureau, and if someone gets more space than we do in the report of a victorious life conference, we are sorely offended. Ah, it is fine to dream and write songs about being Christ-like. For some of us, it would not be so fine to really be so Christ-like. Associated with the despised and outcast The humility of Jesus Christ was manifested in His associating in the most intimate way with the despised and outcast. We are told in Matthew that it came to pass, as he sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples. Matthew chapter 9 verse 10. 
There was nothing whatever of the social or religious snobbery about our Lord. This was a cause of frequent complaint on the part of the religious aristocracy of the day, the Pharisees and scribes, that this man Jesus receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Luke chapter 15 verse 2. Our Lord did not consider himself either too good or too cultured or too blue-blooded, though he was of royal lineage even on the human side, to associate intimately in fellowship with the most despised classes. It was good red blood rather than blue blood, poisoned venous blood that coursed in his veins. Today, even in the church, many consider themselves quite above intimate fellowship with some of their fellow church members. Some years ago, I attended a church service in an eastern city. On that morning, the church was receiving some poor missionary people as members. I had a friend in the congregation, a woman of wealth, culture, and social prominence, who was a member of the church. I noticed that she did not rise when the members from the mission were welcomed into the fellowship of the church. I said to her afterwards, Why didn't you stand when these members from the mission were received into the membership of the church? Oh, she replied, I could not say what the covenant says regarding them. I have no intention of associating with them. And yet she was a woman of a benevolent spirit far beyond the average, a woman who was using her money largely for the elevation of the poor. It was not like this with our Lord. None were too poor or too sinful for his companionship and fellowship. He knew he was the son and heir of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but he had no sense of superiority toward the poorest and most despised. In his association with the poorest and most sinful, there was no nauseating, patronizing air of condescension that so many display today when they have or think they have a superior cultural or social position or morality or piety. Of all snobs, the pious snob is the most offensive. Submitted to Injustice The humility of Jesus Christ was manifested in willing and joyous submission to outrageous injury and injustice. We have a prophetic anticipation and prediction of this in Isaiah chapter 50, verses 5-6. through The Lord Jehovah hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away backward. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. The prophecy of the humility of the Christ who was to be was fulfilled seven hundred years later in the Christ who actually was the Christ who lived here on earth, Christ Jesus. He literally gave his back to those who struck him, and his cheeks to those who plucked off the hair, and he did not hide his face from shame and spitting. He submitted willingly, even joyfully, to outrageous injury and injustice from men so that he might glorify God by saving the very ones who mistreated him. How nearly like him are we in this? How nearly like him do we care to be in this? Remained silent under injury. Going a step further, the humility of Jesus Christ was manifested in silence under outrageous injury and injustice. We see this in another preview that Isaiah was given of the coming one, the coming Christ of God. He was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted he opened not his mouth, as a lamb that is led to the slaughter and as a sheep that before its shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth, 
Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. It is easy to bear grave injustice and outrageous injury if we can talk back and voice our injured innocence, our exalted sense of martyrdom. But to suffer and say nothing, not even call attention to what a pure and noble martyr you are, that is humility, the genuine article, the humility of the real Christ, Christ Jesus. Stayed silent under false accusations. The humility of Jesus Christ manifested itself in absolute silence under false accusations. We are told this many times in the Word of God. Passages fill the memory of anyone who is familiar with the Bible. For example, Peter said, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. 1 Peter 2, verse 23. And in Matthew we read, Now the chief priests and the whole council sought false witness against Jesus, that they might put him to death. And they found it not, though many false witnesses came. But afterward came two, and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God, and to build it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. Matthew chapter 26, verses 59-63 through 63. Luke tells us, Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was of a long time desirous to see him, because he had heard concerning him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. And he questioned him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood vehemently accusing him. Luke chapter 23, verses 8-10 through 10. Our Lord Jesus did not defend His own good name. He left that to God. He committed Himself to Him that judges righteously. This is a lesson that we sorely need to learn. Many have learned it in part, but how often we forget it. So I emphasize again, lest we forget. Ministered to All The humility of Jesus Christ was manifested in His coming to minister and not to be ministered unto. One of the most significant and suggestive utterances that ever fell from his lips is that found in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. That is humility. To really consider yourself the servant of all, and to seek to serve all, and be served by none. That is not natural, I suppose, to any of us. We wish to be waited upon rather than to wait upon others. And if we must serve, we are always looking forward to the time when we shall be served, and are constantly building castles in the air in which there are hosts of servants and we ourselves are the noblemen who are being served. Even in the church we covet the office where others dance in attendance upon us, instead of the lowly place of service in which we must do the bidding of others. The word minister originally meant servant. But today it often means the boss of the whole show, and we are greatly concerned about the prerogatives and dignity of, and the respect due to the minister. And the word deacon also originally meant servant, but now it means various degrees of dignity. Let us remember that the Master said, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Performed Humble Services the humility of Jesus Christ was manifested 
in his performing the most humble and menial and repulsive services for others. He not only came to serve, though he actually did serve, but he also served in the lowliest forms of service. We see this in one of our texts. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And during supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he came forth from God and goeth unto God, riseth from supper, and layeth aside his garments. And he took a towel and girded himself. Then he poureth water into the basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. John chapter 13 verses 1 through 5. It was a slave's work that Jesus performed here. He and his disciples had come in from the dusty road, and in the eastern custom laid aside their sandals. But there was no servant to perform the customary and necessary foot washing for them. Not one of the disciples would do it for the others. Each felt it was beneath his dignity. So our Lord, in full consciousness of his divine authority and origin, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he came forth from God and goeth unto God, became like the humblest of servants. He arose, laid aside his garments, girded himself with a towel, took the basin, and went from disciple to disciple, washing their dirty feet. I wonder why the painters who have given us their various representations of so many scenes in the life of Christ never painted that scene. In this context, our Lord specifically emphasized the fact that he had given us an example that we should do as he had done. How closely are you imitating the example that Jesus left? Would you rather be a minister by preaching sermons to a crowd of gaping admirers, or a minister by washing the sore and foul feet of some afflicted child of God? Oh, but you say, my social position and official dignity will not permit me to stoop to service of that character. Remember what we are told about Jesus in this regard that it was with the full knowledge of his divine authority that the Father had given all things into his hands, and the full knowledge of his divine origin, mission, and destiny, that he came forth from God, and goeth unto God, that he did all this. I once knew a young woman in Christian work in Chicago. For some reason, I did not have a very high estimate of the depth of her devoutness. She belonged to a well-known family, and I imagined that she was altogether too conscious of it. But one day, someone came and told me how she had gone into one of the poorest parts of Chicago called Little Hell. She found a poor, afflicted person in bed with sore and vile feet. She had unbound those feet with her own hands and cheerfully and pleasantly and thoroughly washed them. From that day on, I could not have had a higher estimation of the real Christ-likeness of that young woman. Chose the lowest level. As the ninth example, the humility of the Christ of God was manifested in his choosing the lowliest place of contempt as a slave instead of the loftiest place of glory as God. This choice of our Lord predated his entry into human history as an integral part of it all. It began in the eternal glory. 
We read it in that marvelous statement of Paul, which we have had occasion to quote so often, who, existing in the form of God, counted not the being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6-7 through seven. Oh, what sublime humility that was, stooping from the glory of occupying the throne of the universe, the center and object of angelic, cherubic, and seraphic worship, to take the form of a servant. It is in this context that Paul exclaims, with tremendous emphasis, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 Yes, this is the mind of the real Christ, the mind of the Master, not primarily some doctrinal statement of faith, no matter how rigidly and completely orthodox. This is speaking of the mind of surrendering the very highest position and taking the very lowest, forsaking the place of highest honor and seeking the place of lowest and most effective service. In the verses that follow, we see that he revealed his true humility by seeking the lowest place any man ever occupied, and that our Father highly exalted him and gave unto him the name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9-11 through 11. Obeyed unto death. And last, the humility of Jesus Christ was manifested in His being obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, King James Version. This is the climax of the previous thought. Let me repeat it. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, yea, the death of the cross. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, American Standard Version. Here we reach the highest point of Christ's lowest humility, not merely God becoming man, the highest of all lords becoming the lowest of all servants, but also the holiest of all becoming the sin-bearer of the vilest of sinners. No other one who ever occupied by natural, divine, and eternal right so high a position of dignity, honor, glory, and worship as he did ever stooped to so low a depth of agony and shame, accursed of God and man. I repeat, it is in this context that the Spirit of God through Paul said, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 And John also had this in mind when he said, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. 1 John chapter 2 verse 6